You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of recruiting, Mike Farrell. The magic underwear is not working, and that's not our fault. And national recruiting analyst, Adam Gorney. We're like a 1-800 number almost. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry. I'm producer of the show and joined by myself out on the East Coast, Mike Farrell, and on the West Coast, Adam Gorney. Guys, let's jump right into it. We've had a lot happen in the last few days. Tennessee finally has a head coach. So we'll start uh, actually at Florida State. Willie Taggart introduced as head coach there. Um, Mike, let's we'll start with that. And, and move on to Tennessee and Arkansas uh, after afterwards. But let's start there and get your thoughts on on that hire and, and whether that's a good one or not. I think it's a good hire. I think from a recruiting aspect, it's a very good hire because he can recruit. I, I you know, had some questions about his ability to recruit at a high, high level when he got to Oregon. Things started very slowly, as, as Gorney can attest. And then, boom, there was like one weekend where they got like 10 commitments and they built the class from there. He, he got some West Coast kids. He got some Florida kids. Um, he knows the landscape in Florida. I think he'll do a very good job recruiting. He did a good job on the field this season. When they had their starting quarterback, I think they lost one game. Um, you know, I think they finished 7-5, and five, so it's not exactly a, a stellar year um, in the Pac-12. But the cupboard wasn't exactly full either. He, he wasn't inheriting a great roster. He was inheriting a young roster. Um, so I think he did a good job. I gave him, a, I think, a B-plus in my amazing first-year coaching grades, which I'm sure Gorney read 15 times. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and so I think he's a good coach. Now, will he have the success Jimbo Fisher had? No. I don't think he's going to reel in top five classes every year, and I don't think he's going to win a national championship. Florida State fans won't want to hear that, but you got to understand – we're talking about a bar that's set extremely high. Um, winning a national championship, how many coaches are there that can currently claim uh, to have won a national championship that are coaching in college football? A handful. Um, how many teams can boast that they've had top five recruiting classes almost every year for you know eight years? Uh, very, very few. So when you, when you look at who he's replacing, and how high the bar is set, I think expectations have to be tempered a little bit. But I still do like it as a hire. I I, I don't think expectations are going to be tempered at all. And they're probably only going to be ramped up because of this season. So uh, I think he I don't think he's in any kind of trouble. I think it's just going to be a very difficult situation to enter. Uh, he's 47 and 50 as a head coach. Let's not forget that. And I know he's turned around some programs and uh, but he has one 10-win season. He's never won a conference outright. It's not exactly like this guy's done what Scott Frost has done uh, or some other coaches. Uh, it, it kind of is puzzling to me why he's such a hot name. I mean, he's a good, fine coach. He wins eight, nine games, and he's turned around some programs pretty quickly. Um, but 7-5 and five at Oregon in one season. And, and I know his quarterback went down, but so did DeAndre Francois, and that's not an excuse in Tallahassee. Uh, he's going to be able to recruit, which is going to help. Um, but, you know, I don't think anybody hired Willie Taggart to, to to temper expectations. I think they did it to ramp it up. If you're not talking about national championships at Florida State, you're going to get fired. Uh, I don't think, you know, Florida State's on the same level as Clemson um, in the ACC. 
So we're going to see, you know, how good of a coach Willie Taggart really is because he's not going to have the flexibility of one or two years of going two and 10, three and nine, four and eight, and then turning it into a nine and three kind of team. Nine and three in Tallahassee is not that great. Uh, that's not what they want there. They want 12 and 0 and they want to be in the college football playoff discussion every single season. And honestly, he's just not delivered those numbers yet. So I don't think it's a bad hire at all. I think he's a fine coach. He's a, he's a great recruiter and he'll have a really good staff around him. Uh, but tempering expectations is not why you give this guy millions of dollars. Uh, Dave Barry, I'm usually the cranky one, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So Gorney's moving. He's in the middle of a move. We're trying not, he's not moving. He's trying to sell his house. Uh, he's got a new baby. How old's your baby now? Almost eight months. Yeah. He just crop dusted Willie Taggart. Like, just completely <laughs> destroyed him. Well, I mean, um, let's be let's honest. Temper. The guy has I'm a losing to... record, and he's the hottest coach to hire? I, I just don't get it. Who would you have hired? I'm not in a position to do that. There are uh, plenty of names out there. I would have gone after yeah. Scott Frost. I would have gone You're after Dan Mullen. Problem I... identifier, not a problem solver. I'm not paid to be a problem like solver. I'm paid to complain on a podcast. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying the bar is set high. I know Florida State fans' expectations. I know that. Uh, me tempering them isn't going to stop things. The next guy we're going to talk about is, is Jeremy Pruitt. Expectations at Tennessee are unfoundedly ridiculous. Yeah, And, and he's going to have to deal with those as well. Fan expectations are one thing. You know, is this a good hire for the program? Can they get back to the level where they're competing with Clemson in their division every year? You know, we're talking about one bad year at Florida State. We're talking about a roster that's loaded with talent. Um, I think, you know, this could be a, a team that bounces back and possibly goes 10-2 and two next season. You know, and, and I think this is a coach that can do that. Now, you know, am I all in? Is he the best hire known to man? No, but you know, they weren't going to get Scott Frost. That deal was done, you know, two weeks before uh, anybody even announced it. Um, They knew Jimbo was leaving. There's not a lot out there either. Uh, So when I ask who else would you hire, you know, Jimbo really screwed him. I I look at it like this, Mike, is Willie Taggart an upgrade from Jimbo Fisher? And no one. No, he's not. No, he's not. But Jimbo screwed them. He waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And they had that extra game, that 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 loser extra game that they scheduled yeah. so that they can get into a horrible bowl game that none of the team wants to play in. Obviously, Derwin James already said, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to turn pro and I'm not going to Shreveport <laughs> or wherever they're going. That's a it's win-win. A place. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, but he waited and waited and strung them along. And they were like, you know, this is Jimbo. This is what he does. He did this to us for two years with LSU. You know, um, maybe they're the ones who told him <clears throat> to go pound sand. But in the end, he controlled this, and he's the one who pushed this past uh, the limit where they could wait. They had to make a hire fast. They couldn't go through a, a three-week search, especially with the early signing period and all that. So I think Taggart's the best hire they could have made. Um, you know, Justin Fuente was mentioned uh, I don't know how interested he was compared to Willie Taggart, who, you know, went to Oregon for one year, but all of his family is back in Florida, um, and and that's where he wanted to be. So I think they wanted to get the guy that wanted the job the most, who has uh, a pretty impressive resume 
despite the losing record. Um, so we'll see. Listen, it's always fun to deal with t- teams' expectations and fan base expectations. Jimbo Fisher is going to have to win a national championship within three years, or A&M fans are going to want to hang oh, yeah. him. Uh, Taggart is going to have to beat Clemson, win the ACC, and be in the playoff competing for a national championship within maybe two years, or people will call him a failure. That's why these guys get paid so much money, because they're dealing with ridiculous expectations. But if I had to grade this as a hire, and I'm going to do that next week when Oregon finishes this ridiculous coaching carousel, I'd give it a solid B. You know, I gave him a B-plus for his first year at Oregon. Uh, Again, that wasn't a talented roster. It was a very young roster. His quarterback was injured. I'm making excuses, maybe, but I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, I'd say this is a solid B higher. A-plus would have been keeping Jimbo Fisher, but that didn't happen. Yeah, uh, 10-2 and two is not what people want in Tallahassee. I'm just going to say that. They want national championships and undefeated seasons. They want to be Alabama. They want to be in the Final Four every single year, and 10-2 and two doesn't get get you there. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's a fine hire. A solid B is fine with me, but Florida State expects A-plus every single season. Yeah, and so speaking of expecting national championships, <laughs> let's get to Tennessee and their embarrassing <laughs> coaching search and – you know, trying to recapture the T. Martin national championship days and the expectations there are just unfoundedly ridiculous, as I said before, because there's no reason to believe that Tennessee's anything close to a playoff contender, anything close to an SEC championship contender. Um, They bumbled this thing from the start to the finish. There were some amazing names thrown in the mix. The the funniest to me is Jason Witten, who was just going to retire from the NFL and take the job with zero coaching experience whatsoever. Um, there were guys like Clay Travis saying that John Gruden was a done deal and it's over. He's definitely coming. Uh, there was Greg Schiano's hire and then the social media outrage that led to that being terminated. And it's just a joke. The whole thing was a joke. That being said, <clears throat> ending up with a Jeremy Pruitt as your coach is a solid end to this debacle. Not great. Here's my fear for Jeremy Pruitt. He's going to be compared to Kirby Smart yeah. because they're both Alabama defensive coordinators. Neither of them had head coaching experience, um, and they're both staying in the SEC. Kirby Smart inherited a roster that was loaded with talent in a state where he could recruit like a maniac. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt is not going to a roster that's loaded with talent, not even close. And he's not in a state where he can recruit like a maniac. Tennessee's improved, but it's still about one-fifth to one-seventh of of the uh, number of high-level four- and five-star prospects, in my opinion anyways, compared to Georgia. Um, So I think Tennessee fans are going to expect Jeremy Pruitt to come in. I think they're going to expect a first-year bowl. I think they're going to expect second-year playoff, and it's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, my hope is that Tennessee fans finally get into their head that about 12 coaches either turned them down or they had no, they had no chance of getting them and kind of know their place a little bit. I don't think that's going to be what happens. Um, they had to go to a coordinator to hire him, not exactly a guy who was at the top of the list or even on the middle of the list. Uh, he, he really was about the eighth or ninth option for them uh, you know, Philip Fulmer at least made this happen quick. Uh, you know, he, 
he made a decision and and li- and they lived with it. I don't know if he's the next Kirby Smart. I have no idea if he can turn around Tennessee quickly. I know that they don't have the talent on the roster to be third or fourth in the in the SEC East, let alone compete for conference championships. So uh, I think it's actually a pretty solid hire in terms of what what some of the names that were being thrown out there, like Kevin Sumlin and some other ones late late in the game here. Um, but the entire search was a complete embarrassment. Uh, I don't know who was pulling the strings the whole time. I don't know if this is completely John Curry's fault. Um, but uh, I, I think a decently solid hire, a defensive coach, he's going to have to go out and really recruit his butt off because Kirby is taking Georgia to a different level in the SEC East. Dan Mullen is going to have Florida back, in my estimation. So does Jeremy Pruitt you know, have have that to 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 be able to recruit top talent to Tennessee. I don't know. Butch Jones recruited top talent to Tennessee and didn't really do much with it. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But this this reeks to me of a middling third or fourth SEC team for at least a few years. Well, and this is the problem. You know, he's going to need five or six years to get this. And he's not going to have it. It's not going to be. No, he's not. After three years, people are going to be upset, and after four years, he'll be fired if he doesn't turn it around. And maybe he's the next coming of Urban Meyer. I don't know, you know, the defensive Urban Meyer. But, you know, the problem is the expectations there and the pressure there and and the fact that, you know, you mentioned there's other coaches that have been hired in the SEC. I mean, the SEC just got stronger. I'm not sure if Tennessee – did they did from a player development standpoint? I don't know if he can match the recruiting that Butch Jones did his first three years because that's hard. That's two top five classes in the country. That's really hard to do. <clears throat> player development wise, he can't be worse because they didn't develop those players and and the on field product was pretty bad. But when you look at Auburn getting Gus Malzahn back in the fold, uh, Texas A and M adding uh, Jimbo Fisher, Florida adding Dan Mullen. Those are strong moves. Um, I think this is solid. Uh, I give it a B. (laughs) Really? I'm just going to come out with an article and they're all going to be Bs. No, because Chip Kelly is an A+. That's an A+. UCLA couldn't hit a bigger home run than that. They just couldn't. Um, You know, so it's not going to be all Bs. It's tough for me because I don't know. I know Pruitt is a good defensive coach. Um, defensive coaches are interesting to follow because, you know, there's Nick Saban and then there's a lot of offensive coaches that have done a really good job. And it's hard to think of, you know, the defensive coaches that have, you know, put together tremendous football teams. I mean, I know I'm missing. Well, that's why I think Fulmer was thinking he's getting the next Kirby smart here and, it's kind of a similar situation, well, a defensive coach, a coordinator under Nick Saban that has been. And that's why he's, that's yeah. why he's screwed. Yeah. <clears throat> that's why Pruitt's screwed because that's who he's right. going to be compared to. That's it. So if he's not in the playoff in year right. two, he's a failure. And so I don't think, you know, from that aspect, he's really going to have much of a chance. But anyways, I mean, listen, he's not a bad coach. He had success. At Alabama, he had success at Florida State. He, you know, obviously wasn't at Georgia very long, but um, he's a good defensive coach. It will really all come down to how much focus he puts on the offense, what type of people he gets uh, for his staff to run the offense. Because, you know, the problems at Tennessee under Butch Jones were 
so multifaceted. It was it was both sides of the ball. It was injuries. It was lack of player development. This is not Georgia that he's stepping into. This is not Miami yeah. that he's stepping into. Um, you know, this isn't Mark Richt in year two having his team knocking on the door for a playoff. Um, those, those guys could do that because they walked into a roster that was loaded with talent and they have recruiting areas that are just out of this world. Uh, Pruitt doesn't have that. So I think it, we'll I think he has some things going for him and some things working against him. One of the best things going for him is that it can't get much worse. You know, Butch Jones, Derek Dooley, Lane Kiffin were, were very bad, didn't work out. <clears throat> the problem is the person who hired him was the last good coach there. And so I don't know how fast he's going to pull the trigger on this guy if things don't start working out quickly. You just don't know. It's kind of an unknown situation. Um, I don't know if Tennessee fans or, or if or Fulmer looks at it and says, look, nobody really wants this job, so we have to give this guy five years. Or if they're going to be reactionary and cut him loose after three if things aren't working out and they don't beat Florida and Georgia every year. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting, but it's definitely a, a, a big challenge. Yeah, I put out a tweet that said it was an average hire. <clears throat> you know, an average to me is a B. You know, a great hire is an A or an A plus, and a poor hire is a C, C minus, D. I said average hire. Uh, I said good hire for the way this was handled. You know, to, to land on a guy like this at the end is pretty good yeah. compared to the, where it was. But still an average hire. People went nuts. Vols fans went nuts. You're crazy. You probably said Butch Jones was a good hire, which I did not. You probably said Derek Dooley was a good hire, which I did not. Um, you probably said Kirby Smart was a horrible hire. No, that's not true. I said that was a very good hire. Um, not that I'm right all the time. I mean, there have been hires that have been made that I thought were good uh, that didn't turn out to be so great. But it's not that I'm against the guy who doesn't have head coaching experience. It's not that I'm against the guy who – you know, came over from Alabama and, and is well known as a very, very good recruiter. Um, I'm against the guy who's going to be compared to Kirby Smart, and that's unattainable. It's just absolutely unattainable. But, uh, you know, VolQuest is a great site. It's a great fan base, and uh, they're passionate about what they what they love, and the, the general quarters over there is going to be on fire. As recruiting picks up, it always does when you get a new coach, and, uh, you know, they can't go – worse than winless in the SEC, as you said. So the first couple of years will be like, we're making progress. And then by year three, when they're predicted to win the SEC East or whatever, and then they fall on their face, then we've got a problem. And everybody's going to hate on me for that. But I don't know. I, what do you want me to say? It's the best hire you could possibly make, and he's going to win five national championships. I mean, I have to be, I have to be honest. And I think it's an average hire. So another B... I'm going to give Chad Morris's hire at Arkansas. I'm going to give it a B. <laughs> that that's no, shocking. Actually, no, I'm actually <laughs> going to give it like a, a, a C. I don't think it's a terrific hire. Now, again, you have to understand it's Arkansas, and it's not like they could go out there. But when you go from Gus Malzahn and trying to lure him, who I think is a very good coach and really gets a lot of scrutiny undeserved at Auburn, to a guy with a really bad losing record. Now, I know it's SMU. I know he inherited – just a, a, a big pile of poo. Um, but a guy who, you know, has ties to Texas as a coach and, you know, is going to try to make waves recruiting Texas. I think the hire to make there would be somebody with C ties, somebody who could recruit Florida, 
you know, a Charlie Strong, I think, would have been a better hire at Arkansas, a better fit at Arkansas. So I, I'm not really shot in the butt about this hire. When, when Brett Bielema left Wisconsin for Arkansas, everybody thought it was an excellent hire and Arkansas was going to be great. And it wasn't. And he didn't do anything there. And he was a failure. And I said last week on this podcast, and I'm sure the people in Fayetteville were listening, that you had to hire a guy with spread offense, try to do something different in the SEC West to try to trick teams that can out-recruit you, have far more talent on their roster, uh, and and that's what they did. This is a guy who went 2-10, and 5-7, and seven, and 7-5 seven and in three years. Sounds very much like what Florida State hired. Um, and so I think it's it's as good as they can get because they're going to try to do something different and spread you out. I know he has a losing record in college, but in high school, I just looked this up, 169 and 38, Mike. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. I could coach in high school football and go 169. So I think, you know, I mean, what what is Arkansas going to get? Do do you want to try to continue to outmuscle teams in the SEC West? Uh, I think you have to spread them out. You can recruit that way. He can dip into Texas. He's got some Texas ties. He's going to be able to recruit skill players. And I said Arkansas should try to be the Baylor of the SEC, try to get a lot of fast guys in there and win the SEC West that way by beating Alabama and Auburn, who tried to just outmuscle everybody. Uh, I, I think they're I think they're taking a shot that this is going to work, and I give them credit for trying at least. Uh, well. Yeah, and again, it's just nothing against anybody. It's nothing against Jeremy Pruitt. It's nothing against Willie Taggart. It's nothing against Chad Morris. You know, we're just speculating on. I, I don't know who you could hire. I mean, if you hired Urban Meyer at Arkansas, would you be able to predict success? Right. It's it's the SEC West. I mean, and that's the other problem. It's not a Chad Morris thing. You know, I agree with you that they had to change their style, but everybody changes their style when they make a hire. I mean, you either go from, you know, an offensive coach to a defensive coach, or you go from a pro style offense to a spread, or, you know, you always make changes because what was do, what was working before clearly didn't work. Um, what Brett Bielema was trying to do failed and failed miserably. So yes, they're going to try to be that exciting wide open team, but you know, the SEC West, I don't know. I know. Um, you know, just got a little bit better with a guy named Jimbo there, and it's already pretty good. I mean, they're lucky at Orgeron's at LSU because if they hired a real coach there, uh, LSU would be potential national champion. And, uh, you know, your guy Moorhead got hired at Mississippi State, and, you know, maybe he's got a little bit more to work with at Mississippi State than Arkansas does. Um, so, again, it's it's an okay hire, but I don't want to give everything a B. And I don't think he'll really be successful there. So I'm giving it a C, maybe a C plus. I don't have to come up with my grades. Luckily, I don't have to grade my papers <laughs> till over the weekend because because <clears throat> we're waiting on Oregon to hire somebody, which should happen, I would say, within the next week or so, maybe the next few days. And I would tell you what, I am hashtag crystal ball. You're crystal balling. I think they should hire. I, I'm crystal balling. I think they should definitely hire Mario Cristobal. I think what he did at FIU was very impressive. I think FIU moving on from him after a losing season was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen and heard. The guy's coached at big-time places. He wants to be at Oregon. He wants to run his own program. I think the guy could recruit like crazy, as we've seen. And I think uh, at this stage, you have to make a hire quickly unless you're going to go out and get – 
Norvell or, or somebody like that to keep your, you know, try to keep your high-flying offense high-flying. Uh, hire the guy that's there, who wants to be there, who knows the system that was just put in and make it as seamless a transition as possible. If he doesn't work out in two, three years, then move on. But he's got head coaching experience, wants to be there, and I think he's a very, very good coach. So I am hashtag crystal ball. Yeah, I'm not definitely against it. I, I think it would be a good hire. Um, I, I think if he could keep Jim Levitt there, that would be very important. I had heard rumors two days ago that Jim Levitt was going to go with Willie Taggart to Florida State. It looks like that's slowed down a little bit as he's gotten into the into the discussion for the head coaching job. He also did a phenomenal job at USF when he basically started that program. Uh, you know, I think Lane Kiffin is a name that's actually been thrown around a little bit. And Justin Wilcox at Cal, who I thought did a pretty impressive job in one season there. Uh, Mario, I, I think, I think Oregon, the one thing Oregon has going for it now, even though they lost a coach after 12 games, not even a year being on campus is, uh, you know, they have options so they can go offensive mind, defensive mind, uh, guys that were there, guys who've recruited this recruiting class. They're not bringing in an entirely new staff. So I think Oregon's actually in a pretty good position to hire somebody here pretty quickly and for it to be a guy, um, that, that the players know and, and want and that the recruits know and want. One of the worries you have when somebody does leave like that is that the athletic director is going to want to make it a safe hire. He wants, you know, he just got dumped by his girl and he wants to make sure that the next girl he goes out with is not going to dump yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, so Lane, Lane Kiffin's not going to happen. That's just yeah. forget about it. That's... Uh, He's the crazy girl in high school that, you know. Cuts her hair at lunch or something. You just don't know what you're going to. Yeah, you have no idea what you're going to get every day. Um, you know, so I think, you know, Cristobal would be safe. I think uh, you mentioned Wilcox. That would be safe because he's got ties there. But um, I think they're going to make a safe uh, hire. What would be funny is if they somehow finagled Chip Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious to me, but you know, it's certain things amuse me that don't amuse other people, but that's not going to happen obviously either. But man, I wonder if Chip Kelly's like thinking if I just waited a few maybe weeks, if I waited a little yeah. bit longer now, and that's assuming he's pining to go back to where he was before. And I don't know if he is or isn't. And, uh, I don't know if they want him back or anything like that, but it, it's just so funny. Like when Chip Kelly was hired, there's no way on earth we thought the Oregon job was going to be open, which is no way. Like I thought the whole Jimbo thing was posturing and then, you know, that piece falls and then Taggart, I thought would actually not leave after a year, uh, despite the fact that all of his family is in Florida. So now it's open. And it's I think the funny. rule, I think the rule of Chip thumb is once you commit NCAA violations at one school, you could probably never return there. So I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe you can. Yeah. I don't know about that. I, I don't know if there's precedent for that, but I don't think people care about that at all. I really don't. I, you know, and his NCA violations were nothing compared to you know what everybody else is looking at. I mean, you know, so he paid a guy to you know send some kids his way. That happens everywhere, <laughs> right? Well, it wasn't like he was allegedly uh, propositioning escorts on recruiting trips or anything, but. Uh... Well, no, I, I was just doing my best imitation of the old. Yeah, right. Board, <laughs> so if you read the, you know, 
If they read the notice of allegations, there's nothing about paying players or anything <laughs> like that. And it's like, I'm sure there was no, no nothing taken into consideration regarding right. Laramie Tunsil, you know, it, it saying that he got paid. Yeah, while he and was text there. messages asking you know, tell, coaches telling kids where to go to get money. Yeah, none of that no. came into play at all. So, but um, I, I think, uh, and, and then and that crystal ball and hashtag is already out there, so I didn't create that. The, the players want Mario Cristobal to be their head coach, and oftentimes when the players want something, especially when they've just been you know sort of screwed over a bit, uh, they get what they want. So I think the player movement is going to be important here, and uh, I think he might get the job. So we'll see. Um, the one thing that I couldn't understand, uh, you know, listening to Talking Heads, is everybody's confused why Mike Leach <laughs> didn't get a job. And everybody's confused why John Curry got fired after interviewing Mike Leach when he was told not to. What are people missing? The guy is still battling yeah. Texas Tech. He's You don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. He doesn't know what's going to come out of his mouth from second to second. He's, what I've heard, the worst interview on the face of the planet. And everybody's like, well, how come this guy can't get a job? Look at how many jobs were open. Why wouldn't you hire Mike Leach? If you want to commit athletic director suicide, then hire Mike Leach. But why are people confused about this? I think if you want a politician as your head coach, you don't hire him. If you want a really good offensive mind who every day you're going to have to worry about something he might say if asked. And in, in the SEC where there's a whole lot more reporting and a whole lot more gotcha than in Pullman, Washington, that could be a dangerous game. So uh, I'm not surprised that Tennessee didn't want him. Um, but I am surprised that someone hasn't taken a shot. I mean, there are some desperate programs out there that have hired some pretty boring people. And this is a guy who can run a great offense, has proven – uh, this these last few seasons that the defense is actually decent enough to win games. Um, you know, going to Oregon and winning is impressive. They still can't get over the Washington hump. But uh, yeah, if you're an AD that wants his job, you probably don't stick your neck out for him. But I am surprised because a lot of coaches say a lot of stupid stuff. But um, you know, I, you know, no one, everyone knows he's not going to interview well. But everyone knows what they're getting. It's, uh, you know, someone hired Lane Kiffin, and he's far less successful and far more dangerous uh, than Mike Leach has been, and his name keeps getting thrown around. So uh, I, I actually don't think it would have been all that terrible of a hire if Tennessee went after Mike Leach, because they, too, are a team that needs to do something different and offer something different, and um, they didn't. They went the route of, let's play tough defense and try to win on offense and grind it out in the SEC, and... Um, you know, if I'm an AD, I you know if I if I'm desperate and I and I know I'm I might be next on the chopping block, you take a shot on him. But I'm also not surprised people have have kind of backed off too. No, he would have been a disaster <laughs> at, at Tennessee. I think I think he's fine where he is. I think Texas Tech was fine for him as well because there wasn't a lot of media attention yeah. there. You put him in in a place that gets attention, and it's going to be a nightmare. So, but anyways. Um, as I was mentioning, you know, I did grade the first year coaches. It was kind of interesting to do. Um, they range from A plus to D minus. Uh, I know you didn't read it cause you don't read my stuff. No, didn't, actually, didn't get to that yet. It's coming up on your review. <laughs> uh, 
your year on review will be <laughs> reflective of that. But I only gave two guys a B-plus or better. Lincoln Riley, obviously A-plus first year in the playoff. You can't go wrong with that. I gave Taggart a B-plus. I gave Orgeron a B. Tom Herman a B-minus. That went over really well on the Oklahoma board. <laughs> um, you know, he went 6-6. Six and six. Uh, He did have a, bit, a winning record in the Big 12, but everybody felt that he should be you know, an F, obviously, on the Oklahoma board. And even the Texas guys didn't think a B-minus was appropriate. They felt maybe closer to a C. But I think, you know, he did a pretty good job. They, they, they played with USC till the end. They played with Oklahoma till the end. They played with Oklahoma State till the end. Yeah, they got blown out by Maryland to start the season, but I think they adjusted pretty well there. Um, Matt Rule got a D-minus because I don't give out F grades. But um, is there anybody that was a first-year head coach that surprised you I would say, you know, with how they did. You know, six and six at Texas, what surprised me was losing to Maryland in the opener and losing to Texas Tech in the last game. And so, uh, well, the, the last game of the regular season. So this could have easily been an eight and four team. And it really could have, you know, they could have won at USC. Um, you know, I think the Oklahoma game was in hand. Oklahoma State could have been a win. Those close games, um, I, I'm saying Tom Herman surprised me in a positive way to get, you know, other than the Maryland loss and the Texas Tech loss, there were some games in there that this could have been a 9-3, and 8-4 and four football team and everybody would have been really, really thrilled. Um, moving forward, is this better than an 8-4 and four football team? And is that why they hired Tom Herman? You know, this is, a, this is also a program that expects 12-0 and 0 and playing for the national championship and Vince Young. I don't know why they are. Um, they've won one national championship and I think since the 60s. Uh, you know, they're not exactly have been a national power for all that long, even though they like to think that they are. Um, but, you know, this is not someone who was hired to go 9-3, and 10-2. and 2. This is a guy that was hired to go 12-0. and 0. Um, I think moving forward, they're going to beat the Oklahoma States and Texas Techs of you know of the big 12 uh they shouldn't schedule usc anymore out of conference they should schedule very easy teams out of conference go into conference and have one game oklahoma to win to go to the college football playoffs so uh you know i i was impressed by him lincoln riley walked into a great situation uh we'll see how he does moving forward without baker mayfield on the you know as his quarterback i think next year could be a little bit challenging it'll be interesting to see how he handles it um, and Matt Roll, I just feel I just feel terrible for. He should have stayed at Temple. He could have gotten a much better job than Baylor. Um, and he'll be fine. He'll be fine. I really do feel that they'll be fine. His first recruiting class was pretty good. He inherited just an absolute nightmare of a program. They're going to give him. I mean, he got a seven-year contract, I believe. They're going to give him as much time as possible. I think he'll be fine. What they're going to do there is they're going to play Temple-style football eventually. Yeah. And they're going to hope that that works in the Big 12 because nobody can defend any sort of power right. football. That's what they're going to try to do. And it's going to take a while for that to change. You know, for, for their, I don't think rule... I Did I expect 1-11 and in a victory over Kansas being the only victory? Yeah. No. I mean, they lost their first three games. I think Liberty was the team yeah. they lost to. But I, I think he'll be okay. I, I do like that Joey Galloway picked them to win the Big 12. In the <laughs> I, I, I just feel more bad for him because he left Philadelphia, beautiful Philadelphia for Waco, Texas. That's really... Oh, God, that's disgusting. Guess who picked Jim Mora as the Pac-12 coach of the year? Oh, Me. boy. 
Yeah, I was going back looking at some of my preseason predictions. And wow, there's some really bad. Well, you got to swing the bat, so. you know. <laughs> well, Jim Mora was not the greatest <laughs> choice of uh, of bat swinging that there is, especially when you pick a guy to win Coach of the Year and he gets fired. <laughs> That's pretty bad, but I guess we could wrap it up. We, we I was going to talk a little bit about the awards and all that stuff, but nobody really cares. More decommitments, I mean, you know. Yeah, it's you know Trey Dean was interesting today because you know here's a guy they they hire a defensive minded coach who's coming from Alabama and he says yeah. I'm out and that was like wow why I thought Jeremy Pruitt was a great recruiter and Alabama was recruiting Trey Dean at one point. Does, does he hate Jeremy Pruitt? But I just think the early sign period is going to be such a mess and such a nightmare. I, I talked to, you know, a couple of kids that are early enrollees and they said they don't know if they're going to sign at all because what's the point of signing on December 20th when they can just show up and sit their butt in a classroom in January 10th or whatever. Um, why lock themselves in like that? It's so I don't know if early enrollees are going to sign because there's really no advantage for them to do that. I think a lot of the three stars will sign. I think a lot of the smart schools, you know, I think Notre Dame uh, and Stanford will sign all of their kids. Um, but then I don't know what's going to happen with the rest. But the decommitments keep coming. And, and I think, you know, there hasn't been one that's out of the blue, really. Um, for a program without coaching instability. There's been a couple, but stuff we saw coming. Um, I'm just curious over the next two weeks how many there's going to be. The, the, the sting factor is going to be high um, with those decommitments. But there's been more decommitments. I'll, I'll say this. There's been more uh, decommitments since the middle of November as far as high-profile decommitments than there have been commitments. Now, now here's and a question I've for never, you, Mike. Never seen that. Here's a question for you because yeah. I don't know the answer to this. Can it? Can let's let's say Trevor Lawrence. Can yes. can Trevor Lawrence walk into Clemson in January, yeah. take classes, not like it, yes. leave Clemson, right. and sign with another school in February? No. The second he sits his butt in a classroom. And this is the, the, the Gunner Keel. I remember covering Gunner Keel, who committed to Indiana initially, then committed to LSU, then was supposed to be on a plane, and the LSU coaches were waiting at the airport for him, and he didn't get on the plane. And then that Monday, he sat his butt in a class, and that was it. Once you sit your butt in a class and you are technically enrolled, not online enrollment, not signing a, a grant or anything like that, once you are enrolled as a student, which means you're taking classes, you can't change your mind. You have to transfer rules apply at that point in time. So for Trevor Lawrence, yeah, there's something to lose if he sits his butt in a class, okay? But there's a lot more to lose if he signs December 20th yeah. and then Clemson somehow loses their offensive coordinator to somebody else and they decide to change the offense and they're going to a wing T. None of that's going to happen, but you get the point I'm making is that with all the coaching changes and all the instability with everything, what advantage is there for an early enrollee to sign into December yeah, 20th when he can sit his butt in a class January 10th or January 13th when the spring semester starts and I'm enrolled then? There's none. Now, that's we're talking about the five and the four stars, but those are mostly your early enrollees. You're not pushing for your three-star kids to, to be early enrollees. You know, that was a great drop, whatever that was. Um, so... Yeah, it's going to be confusing as all heck because, 
even guys like that who don't sign are still technically signed, right? But they're not signed, and but they you can't flip them to signed until they sit in a classroom. So you know people are going to want to flip a, a, a Trevor Lawrence to signed, even if he doesn't sign a letter. But we can't do that till he sits his butt. And, and the other thing that's going to be super confusing for the early signing period is that, yes, we all know Trevor Lawrence is going to end up at Clemson, but it's not going to be reflective on how well Clemson did in the early signing period because if he, if he doesn't sign, if whoever, Justin Fields doesn't sign, if whoever doesn't sign, it, you know, the, the teams that are going to look good are the teams that sign their kids, not the kids who are actually going to be early enrollees is what I'm saying. It's it, it. What you're saying is, from a from a national perspective, it's impossible to cover. That's what you yes. cover. That's yes. what you're saying, and it's true. It's absolutely impossible. What we're going to have to do is we're going to have to, and I've already started this with our friend Dave Barry, who's our one of our excellent videographers and who helps cut up some of the video analysis pieces for us. Uh, we're going to have to put together a spreadsheet, and we're going to ask every kid on the planet Earth. Are you signing early? What date are you signing? Are you not signing because you're an early enrollee? And what date are you sitting your butt in the classroom? It's and, just yeah. going to be such massive. And I thing. guarantee we put this spreadsheet together and we have everybody's name and 50% of it will be changed day by day. I am signing. I'm not signing. I'm enrolling, I'm, but I'm not signing. And then he won't enroll and then he'll sign in February. It's, it's going to be a mess. I hate the early signing period. I hope it goes away. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I like I said, I wouldn't have minded this in August because it's a lot more. It's a lot. It's free of the coaching carousel, you know, and it's free of all that. Um, I think it's free of the early enrollees, you know, like you're you're, you're spacing out uh, from the JUCO enrollees. You're spacing out from the early enrollees. You're spacing out from the coaching shifting that occurs. None of that stuff happens in August. Nobody's enrolling early in August. Nobody's uh, JUCOs aren't signing in August or enrolling in August, and you don't have a coaching carousel in August. So that's why I wanted August from just from a clean slate perspective. But yeah, I'm I'm back on the train of forget the early signing period because I think not only is it confusing for us, it's going to be confusing for the kids, and I think there's going to be some kids that make yeah. big mistakes. I, you know what? The, I, I, I keep hearing something, but it's not us. It's our uh, it's our websites making strange noises. Hmm. So I keep thinking you guys are hearing the same no. thing I'm hearing, but I'm, I'm clear, clearly. No, yeah, you said that earlier. We're, we're, we're definitely not. up and hit something, but it's no, it's just this uh, half second ad that keeps popping <laughs> into my ears. But I don't know. We'll see. But I think there's going to be some real mistakes made and some kids that want to sign early like Trey Dean just decommitted right he's looking at Alabama and Florida now Kentucky fans think they might get him but I don't think that's happening and South Carolina's recruiting him as well and they're a possibility but let's go to Alabama let's go to Alabama okay Alabama wants to take five or six defensive backs this year Alabama wants Patrick Sertain uh, and a couple other bigger name guys right so they're going to wait on those guys who aren't early signees those guys don't want to sign early they're going to tell him december 19th we want you to wait yeah we'll have room for you in february and trey dean might say okay i'm not going to sign december 20th i could sign with florida but i really want to go to alabama then alabama's going to turn around and say in february first Wednesday of february oh we don't have room 
Yeah, they told and, the kid as he was walking to his announcement to commit to Alabama last year that they didn't have room for him. So you know how much more of a cluster this is going to be? Yeah, so so Trey Dean, who will have told, you know, and again, this is all hypothetical, <clears throat> will have told Florida no, uh, you know, because they're going to want him to sign December 20th because that's when he wants to sign. Let's say he tells them no and, and he says yes to Bama, but Bama can't sign him December 20th. Let's say he makes that mistake like Jerez Parks that you're talking about. Um, there's no going back. It, I, I just know. don't get the early signing period. It helps no one. The coaches have so much more to do leading up to the holidays. It's mass confusion. Uh, the kids have so much more to think about and do. It's mass confusion. The only ones it really benefits are the kids, and I'm just going to pick this school, like Iowa. They're very drama-free. They know they're going to get... 15 you know, of their kids to sign early. It's not going to be a big deal. Um, but for like 90% of the people that are involved in this, it's complete and utter hell and uh, a lot of manipulation and confusion. And it's just an awful, awful idea. Screw August, screw December, just keep the day in February and, and that's the way to go. Well, it, it will cut down on things. I mean, the kids that sign do... Uh, they do get to end the process. They don't have to... Once the, you know, the... The dead period ends in January. They don't have to deal with, you know, constant harassment and text messages and phone calls because they're signed. They're done. So they do get uh, a three-week or four-week period uh, where they don't have to bother with the process itself. And for the smaller schools, for for not smaller, but schools like Iowa that could have a kid poached at the end by Ohio State, uh, if they get them signed in December then they don't have to worry about that. So there are advantages for some. I just think it's too close. Like you're having a signing date about six weeks before the second signing date. Do it the way basketball does it. Basketball, and I don't know anything about basketball. No. (laughs) But I think April and November are the signing periods for basketball, right? Yes. Something like that, right? That's spaced out. That's, That's why I'm saying August and February, space it out. And give them the option. But don't do it six weeks before. That doesn't help anybody. So that's why it's going to get crazy and confusing. But you know what? As the guy on top, uh, you know, what do they say? Poo rolls downhill. And money rolls up, right? I'm just going to let you guys deal with all of it. I'm just (laughs) going to chime in a couple times and say, wow, that's good that this kid signed. And I'll let you guys deal with all the minutiae of asking every kid. Where are you going to sign? When are you going to sign? Are you going to have a press conference at your school? What time is a press conference at your school? Is it going to be December 20th, 21st, or 22nd? Oh, you're not going to sign. Are you an early enroll? Are you going to enroll? enroll? What date is your first class? Have you already enrolled online? Not sure oh, I'm going to ask one kid any end? of those blah, blah, questions, blah. Mike. What? You're not going to? <laughs> no, I don't I don't think so. Uh, we got a big meeting coming up in a couple hours that uh, this is going to be a, it's going to be mandated. Yeah, yeah. I'm not it's so gonna sure. It's going to suck. You might as well stop trying to sell that house. Might as well give that baby up for adoption because you got some work to do. And a baby and a house sale, there's just not going to be time for it. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, no, I got my priorities straight here. It's 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 baby house asking kids baby. if they're going to be sitting in class in January. Baby house. <laughs> what a life. No, 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 no. <laughs> you watch because you're crazy. You're a lunatic. It'll be... Asking kids if they're going to sit in class in January, asking them when they're going to sign in December, house, baby, recruiting updates, 
film <laughs> wife and the rest of your family. That's what it's going to be. Because you're a lunatic. Oh, and I forgot Twitter. Twitter is at the top of everything. Yeah, it's Twitter is up there. Everything. Twitter is definitely up there. Like you, you're the only person who actually looks at a timeline on Twitter and just scrolls through it every five seconds. It's it's really amazing. So, let's end this. Let's get out of here. Let's. We all know what's going to happen with the early signing period. It's going to be mass chaos, and none of us are going to know really what to do. So, we'll just get through it as best we can. Oh, I didn't tell you. I forgot to tell you. I took. I put in for vacation December twentieth, twenty first, twenty second. Oh, nice. There you go. Very good. I'm off yeah, uh, New around. Year's Eve to the seventh, so I won't be attending the Army game this year. Unfortunately, I'll be yeah. on vacation. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> All right, I do want. We'll get out of here, but I do want to know one thing, Mike. What grade would you give this podcast? F. Oh, this is an F. This thing stinks. No B. I thought it was average. A B. No, nobody. By listens. the way, what school did what school did you go to where a B was an average? Uh, that's true. I went to Central Connecticut State University, and uh, I got C minus grades. And C's get degrees. That's what we say at Cal State Fullerton. <laughs> well, the B's were the ones I looked up to, and the A's I just didn't even talk to. I think Dave went to a school where they didn't give out grades. 